Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. In our next segment, we're going to have our Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week brought to you by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. In segment three, some expensive cuts in the NFL this past week. We're going to discuss some of those contracts and talk about how some of these teams are reeling after eating guaranteed money that they paid out to some expensive talent. That's coming up in segment three. In segment four, I wanted to bring on Jared Melzer. He's one of our new bloggers. He works in Spain currently. He works with Johan Brunil and has worked extensively with Lance Armstrong. He's a terrific brander, and we want to talk about activating sponsorships. Sometimes in sports, we see companies pay out big money to have an athlete endorser, then they don't really do anything with that endorser. We're going to talk about how, what are the best ways to activate your sports marketing sponsorships. That's coming up in segment four with Jared Melzer. A couple of other notes. Visit our newly redesigned website at sportsbusinessradio.com. You'll find all the icons to link to our Twitter, Facebook pages, and our iTunes page. And uh, we've got some great new bloggers. You can see the gallery, see some video. Check us out there at sportsbusinessradio.com. Also want to remind you, on September 21st in Portland, if you're in Portland or around the Portland area, join us for our event with Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber. We sit down with key decision makers once a quarter, talk to them over lunch, in person. You can ask them questions too. Go to our website, sportsbusinessradio.com, to buy tickets for that event. Brian Griggs, I love JT. Good out here. We've got headlines coming up. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If I wrote you a this is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. The Sports Business Radio headlines are sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one. The Heisman Trophy Trust is expected to strip former USC running back Reggie Bush of his 2005 Heisman Trophy and leave the award vacant. This according to Yahoo Sports. You remember we had Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports on last week. He's the one who broke the Reggie Bush scandal for years, uncovered a lot of that information, and then broke this story as well. Bush would become the first player in the 75-year history of the Heisman Trophy to have the award taken away. The NCAA recently cited USC for lack of institutional control. They handed the Trojans four years probation and a two-year bowl ban and a reduction in football scholarships. Griggs, you know, this is going on all over college football. We saw UNC, North Carolina, just get hit hard. Um, I think they're probably going to get on probation. Michigan may go on probation. We've had uh, Rand Gatlin on the show to talk about some of the problems in college athletics. I guess it's pretty interesting that this is the first time in 75 years that the Heisman Trust Committee has taking away someone's Heisman Trophy, especially, you remember we talked a few months ago when this story first came out, O.J. Simpson still has the Heisman, but they take it away from Reggie Bush. I do think they made the right decision in leaving the award vacant and not giving it to runner-up Vince Young. I think that just wouldn't have felt right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's just get it out of Bush's hands and then just drop it. Be done with it. And, uh, you know, because there's so many different things that go into this. And giving it to Vince, you know, there's a, that opens up a whole other ballpark, you know. And I think it's the right choice. It'll be interesting, though, to see if this kind of opens up the conversation for stripping awards from players in the future. I wrote something uh, on my website, sportsbusinessradio.com. You know, I don't care if it's baseball where you've talked about Roger Clemens winning seven Cy Young Awards or Barry Bonds or any of these people that are linked to performance-enhancing drugs. If you go back and you start taking awards away from people, I think it's a dangerous conversation. So we'll see what this does to influence those conversations in the future. Our next headline, Tiger Woods has made the cut for the Ryder Cup. He's a captain's pick. Corey Pavin made the choice this week at the New York Stock Exchange when he added Woods, Ricky Fowler, along with former major champions Zach Johnson and Stuart Sink to an American team that's going to try and retain the cup. The Ryder Cup is October 1st through the 3rd at Celtic Manor in Wales. Griggs, not surprising that Tiger Woods would be added to the Ryder Cup team, even though he hasn't won an event this year. And he's really struggled on the course. He had a pretty good weekend this last weekend. But, uh, you know, I think Corey Pavin had to select him. And I'm sure he's going to get lots of hoots and hollers when he's abroad. But we're talking about the greatest golfer of all time. you got to add him to the team. I agree. For golf, you just have to do it. Because people are not going to be tuning in as much if Tiger's not there. Even if he's playing terrible like he is right now, he's got to be on the team. Well, and I'm wondering, you bring up a good point, how much the organizers of the Ryder Cup and television partners might have influenced this decision. Because you're right, if Tiger's playing, there's a lot more interest, A, because he's the number one ranked golfer in the world, B, because 
he's kind of been an interesting train wreck to follow in the last year and see because, you know, it's Tiger Woods. And we talk all the time on this show about when Tiger's playing, he's in the mix on something, we're going to watch. When he's not, we're not going to watch. So I'm sure the TV partners, the Ryder Cup organizers, everyone's very happy that Tiger has been added to the team. Our final headline of the week, we alluded to this last week, ESPN and Brigham Young University, they announced an eight-year agreement that gives the network exclusive rights to BYU football home games during the 2011 to 2018 college football seasons. Now, BYU is going to play all their other sports games in the WCC, the West Coast Conference. But Griggs, you know, this makes a lot of sense for BYU. First of all, they get a lot more national exposure. Second of all, ESPN can help BYU arrange some interesting matchups that make for compelling TV. And then BYU could reap, according to reports, between $800,000 to $1.2 million per home game. This is considerably more than the $1.3 million to $1.5 million they got per year for their old contract. And then whatever games aren't picked up by ESPN can be televised live on BYU TV. So here's yet another example of a school trying to program their own network, show the games online. It's kind of using the Notre Dame model that they have with NBC, but using this with ESPN. It's interesting that ESPN finds BYU as an attractive option for doing a football deal. Yeah, I think it's good for BYU. I mean, like you said, they're going to make some money. They're going to get exposure. It's a big market, too. I mean, Utah's a big market. you got a lot of people interested in football because there's a lot of sports fans there. And I think it's going to be good all over the board for ESPN, for BYU, the whole package. And it's a long-term contract, as we said, through 2018. So they're going to be doing business for a while. Well, we haven't done one of these in a while, but there are some PR nightmares of the week. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. When I'm not hosting this show, I media train athletes, executives, CEOs. And one of the key things that we stress to people is be careful with your use of social media. If you say it on Twitter, if you say it on Facebook, it's basically like talking into the microphone that I'm speaking into right now. And if you don't realize that, You shouldn't be using those weapons, so to speak, because it can come back to haunt you. And I want to give you a few examples of that in the world of sports this week. Number one, Reebok has decided against finalizing an endorsement deal it had proposed for Brandon Spikes. He's a rookie with the New England Patriots after a sex video has emerged on the Internet. This is according to the Boston Herald. So his Reebok deal... Bye-bye, because of what's gone viral now on the internet. Number two, triple Olympic swimming gold medalist Stephanie Rice. She's lost an endorsement deal with luxury car maker Jaguar over a homophobic slur she made on Twitter, Griggs. This is bad news. I mean, Jaguar, that's a big car company. She's won three gold medals. And if that's not enough... Then there was also an Australian, or an, I'm sorry, an English cricket star, Kevin Peterson, who was fined on Monday after making profane comments on Twitter. You know, when are these people going to learn? We've seen athletes from Michael Beasley to others really taint themselves. We've seen regular celebrities, uh, 
you know, Hollywood actors, musicians, people who speak out on Twitter and then act like, oh, well, you know, who's paying attention via Twitter later? It doesn't make sense, Griggs. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm not a huge, you know, Twitter guy. I do it. But even when I'm writing something, I double check it before I hit tweet. You know, even the spelling, what I'm saying, because this is going to anybody and everybody. Well, the last example of this is a fellow journalist, Mike Wise, who writes for The Washington Post and is in the midst of a one-month suspension. He was trying to prove a point that people believe anything they read on Twitter and that the journalistic standards that exist today, and I would agree with this, have really been reduced because people allude to sources and people throw things out on Twitter and Facebook and it's taken as Bible. Well, he tried to break some news with Ben Roethlisberger, and he knew it was false, and he was doing it under the pretense of, hey, I'm going to show everyone that you can throw a story out there, and it'll stick even if it's not true. Well, guess what? The people at the Washington Post, they didn't go for that, and now he's serving a one-month suspension. So those are some Twitter-slash-Facebook mishaps that have taken place in the last week, and they've become PR nightmares for the people involved, and... I'll tell you, if you're on Facebook and Twitter, you got to watch yourself. Again, consider it a live microphone. All right, coming up next, lots of NFL comings and goings and some expensive ones to boot. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, some expensive comings and goings in the NFL this week with some pretty big names. Let's start with TJ Hushmanzada. Now, Griggs, if you remember, last year the Seahawks signed him away from the Cincinnati Bengals to the tune of five years, $40 million. He was their leading receiver last year, even though he had a disappointing season. And... This year, they decided as cuts were being made to cut TJ Hushmanzada and pay him $7 million to go away. So as we know in the NFL, contracts are about not only the contract that you sign, but mostly about the guaranteed money. Because 
They're not guaranteed like they are in the NBA, in Major League Baseball. If you're two years or three years into someone's contract, as in this case, year two, you can wave goodbye to someone, not have to pay them the remainder of the contract unless you've given them the guaranteed money or the roster bonus. We've seen that with the Oakland Raiders and the debacle with Jamarcus Russell. But TJ Hushmanzada, so now the Seahawks pay him $7 million to go away. He goes out days later, signs an $855,000 minimum contract with the Baltimore Ravens, who are thrilled that they get a receiver of this caliber for $855,000. Yeah, what a deal for uh, Baltimore. I mean, and, and Seahawks, I mean... You know they're they're still paying out two checks for TJ. He's happy right now. Well, I just don't get it because you know I understand maybe there's some guys that are a little more talented on the roster, and Mike Williams is a guy who used to play for Pete Carroll at USC that's emerged as a potential starter on that team. But if I've got that much money invested in someone, that has to factor into the equation whether I keep him or not. And if I'm paying someone seven million dollars to go away, there's got to be like a complete breakdown in that relationship for me to pay that amount of money for someone to go to another team and potentially come back and haunt me. Now, this isn't the only case of a guy being given big money that we saw given his walking papers this week. Matt Leinert, selected as a high draft pick by the Arizona Cardinals. He signed a six-year contract back in 2006, $50.8 million, $14 million in guarantees. He only started a handful of games because he lost his job to Kurt Warner. Many people thought when Warner retired, he'd be the starter this year. But now the Cardinals have said it's going to be Derek Anderson. And now Leinard goes and re-signs in Houston with the Texans, a one-year deal there. But again, here's a, a development where the Cardinals are eating some money because they paid out $14 million in guaranteed money for a guy who started a handful of games for them and basically, I guess, was a malcontent and not good in their locker room. Bad return on investment, as they'd say. I think it's similar with the TJ situation here, too. It's There's something behind the scenes here. There's something that's not chemistry-wise meshing with the staff, the locker room. Something's not clicking. That's why if they're going to pay this money to get rid of these guys, it's more than just what's showing up on the field. Well, the greatest case of this, other than the Jamarcus Russell situation, where he was paid you know, almost $40 million in guaranteed money and was one of the worst quarterbacks during the time he played, Albert Hainsworth, he's a Washington Redskin player. You've probably followed his offseason, the battles he's had with new head coach Mike Shanahan to get into shape. They wouldn't let him play because he wasn't in good enough shape. There's been a lot of barbs back and forth in the media. Here's a guy who last year, just last year, signed a seven-year, $100 million contract. And of that money, uh, $41 million is guaranteed. He's already collected $32 million of the $41 million in guaranteed money. He got a $21 million roster bonus in April of this year. So here's a team that put out $100 million, Griggs. And again, you know, the money you really need to look at is the $41 million, which is guaranteed, and they're trying to trade him only a year into his contract back to the Tennessee Titans or another team because that relationship has broken down so much. Maybe these lessons will teach these teams, hey, look, maybe you don't want to be giving guarantees of this magnitude. And this is going to be something that I think is addressed in the new collective bargaining agreement because we've seen the guaranteed money go up and up and up. 
It's like he, Hainsworth signed this thing seven years and then all of a sudden forgot to stay in shape. I mean, it's like the guy can't move out there anymore. It's so weird to see him play. Well, and again, kind of like Leinart, didn't blend with the guys in the locker room. So a lot of these teams are like, look, if we have to eat this money, fine. We just want the guy to go away because we don't want him to harm the chemistry in the locker room. Now, there was a big signing this week, and it was Darrell Rivas, who finally signed with the New York Jets, ending his holdout. He's going to be ready for the season opener on Monday night. He gets $32 million in guaranteed money. Now, look. You know, we're talking about the $41 million that was given to Albert Hainsworth. Hainsworth was one of the best defensive players in football when he signed that deal. Darrell Rivas, you would think this is a good investment for the Jets. They couldn't afford to lose him. They couldn't afford to have him hold out for the entire year. It's a short-term deal that the Jets can get out of after four years. But the $32 million in guaranteed money... It's a lot of money, and when you're playing pro football and you can have a guy that can injure himself in a second and have his career over, boy, you're really uh, crossing your fingers that it works out for you. But what a great, I mean, Jets, that guy's a beast out there. I mean, he, what an athlete. If he can stay healthy, that's going to be huge for the Jets. And they're, I mean, they are building a team down there that's going to be something sweet, I think, when they get everything meshing well. And if Sanchez can play ball, look out. Yeah, their defense is incredible, and he's the key to the defense. And uh, as they say, Revis Island. You don't want to be on Revis Island all alone with him. And, uh, you know, I think it's good for the chemistry of that team, for their locker room, for them to have him back on the field playing for their opener. The last note, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. I mean, this is a guy who I put up there with, you know, the Peyton Mannings, the Drew Breeses. You give these guys their money, and you don't worry about it. You know, in basketball, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, you give them your money, you don't worry about it. They're going to give you 150% every single time they take the basketball court or the field. Brady is reportedly close to a three-year extension believed to be worth $58 million, works out to about $19.3 million annually. I say he's worth every penny of that. I know he's getting up there. I know he's had a bad knee. But this is a guy who is literally the face of your team. He's won multiple Super Bowls for you. And you know he's going to bring it every single time he steps on the football field. Yeah, it's a great one. Tom Brady's one of classic uh, players out there. Good leader. You know, good face for a franchi- franchise. Can talk. Can do the right thing. It's a good, it's a good move for him. Well, and look for Peyton Manning at some point in the not-too-distant future to have a new contract as well. All right, coming up next, Jared Melzer is going to join us from Madrid, Spain. He's a sports marketing expert. He works with Lance Armstrong and Johan Brunil. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. 
and with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tea times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to pumpkinridge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Jared Melzer. He's joining us from Spain. He is a sports marketing expert. He works with Johan Brunil and Lance Armstrong. Joining us from Madrid this week. How's life in Madrid, Jared? Ah, it's, it's very good. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. It's, uh, the, the football is, is still going strong after the World Cup, so it was uh, very exciting to be part of that here as an American. So Jared is also writing for us at sportsbusinessradio.com. You've probably read some of his entries so far. But Jared, let's start off. How did you get into the business? Tell us how you got into the, the sports business. I was actually uh, getting my master's down at the University of Texas in Austin studying uh, sports management when I was at Penn State prior to that. I did a number of internships, uh, both at Penn State Athletics, New York Mets, and I just really found my passion, so I decided... You know, I wanted to get that master's degree in sports management. Went down to uh, University of Texas, and in between the first year and the second year, I spent my summer with uh, Lance Armstrong's management agency called Capital Sports and Entertainment. Unpaid internship, just uh, one of those those summers where you work, work, work. You do anything possible, and uh, luckily that paid off. Uh, I impressed some people, I'd like to think, and uh, took a role Working as uh, the Discovery Channel team sponsorship and marketing uh, manager from 05 to 07, and then uh, had a good relationship with Lance's c- coach, Johan Brunil, and uh, Johan took over a new team after Lance retired and uh, moved to, to Spain, where I'm currently now working with Johan. How is it doing sports marketing, sports marketing in the, the sport of cycling? I mean, we know that that sport has been tainted with some controversy, some performance-enhancing drugs, much like Major League Baseball, but they still seem to be chugging along, and obviously Lance has got uh, a pretty terrific brand. How is it uh, working with cycling? Yeah, it, it's been obviously a challenge, and, and you know, you'll get those questions from sponsors, uh, current sponsors, potential sponsors, and uh, you know you need to be ready to address those questions and and also include them into a into a contract um, and be very honest and upfront with with our policy here, um, you know as, as a team and as, as Lance as Johan and have everyone on the same page going going forward. And as you know with with the the blog that I put out, you know a phrase too often heard which I encourage everyone to go to the, the website and check it out. It's really about the relationship and starting off that relationship on the right foot and, and, and making sure that everyone's clear. Yeah, I mean, we've talked on this show in the past about how many companies sign athletes to be celebrity endorsers, and then they kind of put them in the closet and they don't do anything with that partnership, and that's never really made sense to me. It's one thing to brand the athlete. I get that. So when they're on the field of play, you can see that they're wearing your brand or they have your logo. But I think you're only doing you know, a fraction of what you could be doing 
And that's kind of what your uh, column, a phrase too often heard at sportsbusinessradio.com, is all about. Walk us through the steps. When you're sitting down with a new sponsor, a new partner, how does that conversation start? Well, I think it needs to start very early. And, and as the property, you need to understand what that sponsor is looking for. What are their objectives, um, not only with the relationship, but as an entire company and as an entire brand? And then customize that experience, customize your pitch so that it meets their goals. And, you know, we've seen time and time again, and I've received, received pitches as well, I'm sure you have as well, that, you know, it's just generic. And those get, to, you know, tossed in the garbage at the end of the day. So it's wor- wor- walking through with the sponsor what that relationship's going to look like and helping them figure that out. So as a property, I'm giving them ideas. And maybe they won't accept all, all my ideas. Maybe they'll only take two or three or, or one. But in that initial conversation, I'm making it clear to them that I care about your company, that I'm not only looking out to, to get the money or to get this sponsorship, but there's a relationship here, and that's hopefully going to be a, a long-lasting relationship. Well, at the same time, you want to maximize the opportunity for your client, in this case, uh, Lance Armstrong and, and Johan Brunil. What are some of the things that you look for? I'm sure you get you know, dozens of proposals for these guys. What are some things that attract you to a partnership with a corporation who wants to work with you? I think you're, you're looking for a natural fit and an authentic fit. You know, I think these days consumers are, are extremely smart. Um, and, and that fit needs to be natural, authentic, and, and hopefully long-lasting. So, you know, Johan's relationship, when you look at it with the bike, goes back to 1999 with Lance and, and a company called Trek. So that's not something, you know, short-lived. And, and along with that, if it's a technology partner, how is that partner helping you achieve your goals? So winning, you know, Johan's won nine tor- tor- towards the France, how has Trek, and what is Trek going to do to help that? So every year they're back in the wind tunnel, they're back making adjustments, and the great thing is Trek can tell that story now to the, to the consumers. Yeah, that's terrific. Another part that you talk about in the, the column that you wrote on sportsbusinessradio.com is holding partner summits and meetings. I think that's a great idea. I know LeBron James and his team has done that several times in Akron. They've had all of their uh, partners from Nike to Coca-Cola to Microsoft come in, and they sit down over the course of a few days. Not only do they meet, but they enjoy dinner, they play some basketball, but it's a great opportunity for them to trade ideas and talk about how can I help your business and how can you help my business. Exactly, and you need to do that early. I think what what we've seen, and, and it was a mistake that I made in the beginning part of my career, is that we would hold that summit right before the season started. And there would be a lot of great ideas going around the table and people trying to collaborate, but the season was only a few weeks away. And that would really, the time, time would really become a barrier. So what we, we did now, or what we're doing now, is we're moving those summits up almost to the end of the season so that there's an end-of-the-season recap, and then you're talking immediately about next year and what, you, what the team's planning to do, what each sponsor is planning to do, and it really pushes the sponsors to start thinking. You know, there, there's not that period of laziness or, or the holidays coming up, you know, because no partner wants to go in and do a presentation and say, 
I have I have nothing or we haven't thought of anything yet. So everyone is pushing or pushing each other to get their plans in order and then present the plans and then, you know, come January 1st or before the beginning of the season, we know exactly where we're going with the team. We know what the sponsors are, are, are doing and we know how sponsors are potentially collaborating with each other. I know, you know, we aren't talking about using cookie cutter approaches here, but a general rule of thumb, when you sit down and you sign a deal with a partner in an ideal world, how much time do you need to get all of your materials, all your branding, your video, your images, all of the collateral around activating your sponsorship together? I mean, is it nine months? Is it six months? What, it, what would be the ideal time? The ideal time, I mean, in cycling, it's been done. You could do it in, in two, probably two months, maybe even six weeks. But it's, it's not ideal. At the end of the day, it's, everything's being rushed. Everything's being pushed. Um, if we're looking at a 2012 sponsorship, we're starting now and maybe even a, a few months ago at the Tour de France and taking that sponsor through the process of what other sponsors are doing, getting them to understand the sport, how to activate so that come next year, we already hopefully have a deal at the 20, 2011 Tour de France for 2012. And that gives, you know, five months. If you have something in July, that gives you five months, six months until the first race is, is, is going off. We're joined by sports marketing expert Jared Melzer. He's joining us from Madrid, Spain this week on Sports Business Radio. He writes for us online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Jared, Lance is an interesting guy, too, because he does so much charitably. Obviously, he's really become, I think, the face of cancer um, in this country. He's raised millions of dollars for research. So when you've got an athlete who's so involved in a philanthropic effort, that's also got to be considered when you're talking to corporations, I would imagine, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, when you look at, at the corporations that have partnered with the team, they're also partnering with Livestrong as well. From, from Radio Shack, the title sponsor of the team, they're heavily involved uh, with the Livestrong Foundation, the Livestrong Challenges, uh, Trek, uh, so many of the sponsors on the team, so many sponsors who have individual relationships with Lance, they all want to continue to to contribute to to Lance's cause, Lance's mission, and and the overall uh, fight against cancer. And I've always said about Lance, I've had people on from Nike, and they've talked about how they ordered forty thousand yellow wristbands with the first order, and they all sat in a warehouse and they worried, oh my gosh, are we going to even sell ten thousand of these things? Now. You know, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars, and these yellow wristbands have been synonymous with, obviously, Lance Armstrong, but this whole Live Strong campaign, I think it's really the gold standard for raising money charitably from an athlete. I can't think of any other athlete, maybe Andre Agassi, what he's done, who has raised more money for a charitable cause than, than Lance Armstrong. It's, it's really a part of his fabric. It is, it is, and it's a, it's a great story, obviously, um, from, from just beating cancer to uh, going on and winning not only one, but seven in a row. Um, and he's continued to be involved in the foundation, and uh, luckily he's, he's also been supported by great partners like Nike. So when you put everything together, you know, you have the story, you have the success, you have, you have the athlete, and then you have these, these great partners who have been with him for you know, 10, 11, 12 years, it, it, it's easy. 
Um, I shouldn't say it's easily accomplished, but it's easy to see how that success continues to grow and develop and, and, and spread. You know, it's been an interesting last 12 months. We've seen the fall of Tiger Woods, his uh, indiscretions off of the golf course and how that's cost him some sponsors. But are you finding that sponsors are coming to you now with a keen awareness that maybe they didn't have before and they want some uh, clauses in the contract that say, hey, you know, if this person gets in trouble with the law or they have an embarrassing situation and it taints our brand that, that we can more easily get out of this relationship? Yes, and, you know, it's unfortunate in cycling that, that it's been somewhat marred by uh, drug scandals and, and doping. So, uh, you know, all sponsors are, are very aware of, of the situation, and it's something that we even address going into the meetings because we know it's a question that's going to come up, and we'd rather show them that we're going to take that initiative that this is something that we put in the contract. Um, you know, we show them the clause, we show them the policy that we have and the way we go about hiring riders and uh, how the riders are tested. And we walk them through that program so that they, they understand. Um, cycling is one of the most tested sports in the world. So uh, Johan always explains it as if you have a, a highway and you have speed radars every five miles, you're going to catch more people speeding than if you have them, you know, every 50 miles or 100 miles. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting. The, the sport is, like I said before, it's one of the most heavily tested sports out there. Um, but we're very aware of the situation about how we conduct internally the policies and then how we also communicate them to sponsors when we're talking to them, uh, you know, prior to signing a contract and then what that clause is going to look like. So for Johan's team, is it as simple as, hey, if one of our riders fails a drug test, uh, you have the option to get out of this relationship if you're a sponsor? Yes. Wow. I mean, that's really standing behind your product there because it's basically saying we're not going to fail, and if we do, then, you know, shame on us. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of due diligence done on Johan's part when hiring that rider. And, and looking into that rider's history and looking at his, the, the, the cycling union, it's called the, the Union Ciclista International, they have a, a biological passport right now that you can look at all the values, the blood values, the urine values of riders over the past couple of years. And you can see how their values fluctuate. And if you bring in, obviously, someone who, who is knowledgeable and an exercise physiologist and, and understands the sport, then you could see, you know, possible abnormalities. And if, if anyone's even close to that, Johan won't hire that rider. We've got just a few minutes left. Let's talk about the use of social media with activating sponsorships. You touch on that in your blog column that you wrote for us on sportsbusinessradio.com. I mean, that's really changed a lot of things because you can get your message out there so much more virally than you've ever been able to before with Facebook and, and Twitter. Maybe you can talk about that for a moment. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the, the big ones are, are Twitter and, and Facebook right now, and I think there's, there's maybe one that's less touched upon, and that's, that's these bloggers out there who are, are fans of the, the team or fans of the sport, and they're riding, and they have a, a huge, huge fan base out there. And we actually had um, last year during our training camp a, a blogger 
that we really didn't know very well. We knew that he had a, a great following. He wrote an open letter to Johan just as a joke on his site and um, saying that, you know, he can be part of the team and listed all his qualities, and a lot of the qualities weren't even, you know, related to cycling. And uh, Johan wrote back to him on Johan's site, and uh, we started this whole challenging sy- challenge system that if he raised, you know, a certain amount of money for, for Livestrong and another foundation that was uh, close to Johan's heart called World Bicycle Relief, that he would get the opportunity to, uh, to come to, to camp. Wow. And ride, ride with the team. And in one week, he raised over $135,000. Wow. Yeah, just all through his blog, through Facebook, through, through uh, Twitter. That's amazing. And that's, I mean, to me, that just shows the, the power of social media, the power of viral messages, the power of, of having fans blog. And, if you, you know, you need to reach out to those people. And, um, you know, they have a, a big influence um, on, on your fan base. For sure. Jared, I really appreciate you joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. I so much appreciate your contributions to our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow Jared on Twitter at Jared Melzer. That's J-A-R-E-D-M-E-L-Z-E-R. Jared, anything else that you want to promote before we let you go this week? Uh, no, just uh, for for any of the students, I'm I'm pretty young. Um, I'm only 28, so uh, you know I'd say for anyone who is looking to get into the business, you know, feel free to contact me on Twitter or email. But um, you know, get out there, do internships, and you know, keep reading. There's a there's a lot of great material out there as well. So we're all we're all students at the end of the day. Well, you're right. And, you know, as we always say on this show, it's about networking and keeping in touch with people and finding a way to stay in touch with people. Even if you met them a few years ago at an event, you never know when that relationship could turn out to be beneficial and help you get that job that you've been looking for in the uh, sports industry. Exactly. Jared, thank you so much for joining us from Madrid this week on Sports Business Radio. Thank you, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SB Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, the college football season is underway, and Griggs, your choice for national champion, had their first game. And I don't think we may see a more thrilling game than Boise State's 33-30 victory over Virginia Tech on Labor Day. 
you know, the game had everything. It had lots of scoring. It had some big plays. It had good defense. And Boise State ranked third, but a non-BCS school, they showed that they're definitely for real beating Virginia Tech on the road. I mean, they say it was at a neutral site, but it's 276 miles away from Virginia Tech's campus where they played FedEx Field. It was a home game for Virginia Tech. Yeah, the crowd was crazy, and, and what a great atmosphere. It felt like a bowl game. I mean, it was exciting. Both teams playing their, their heart out, and my, my team, Boise State, won an O, baby. I'm happy. <laughs> well, and you got to root for Cinderella here. I mean, let's look at this. If Boise State were to somehow run the table like they did last year when they were 14-0 and with a victory over Virginia Tech in the opener, and Virginia Tech's going to be a top-ranked team all year long, if they beat Oregon State, who's going to be a good team on September 25th, and then win all their other games, I think you've got to have them in the conversation for the national championship game. And it would be the first time that a non-BCS conference had a school in there that was in the national championship. Then I think you really start opening up the conversation for a playoff. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because of the TV deals. But at least that conversation gets stronger and stronger. Yeah, and I enjoy that game was, was fun because you saw the intensity in Boise State because every game is like a final game for them. If they lose one, it's pretty much done for them. So seeing them come out there and play, they were ready to win that game. And that the final drive was it showed it. It's like we're, we're playing this to get to the title game. Well, and here's what I said on Twitter this week. Chris Peterson, the head coach at Boise State, he needs to now be mentioned with the elite coaches in college football. He is 50 and 4 since taking over as the head coach of Boise State. He has never lost a game at home. And I don't want to hear about strength of schedule or anything else. They have beaten some good teams in bowl games. They beat TCU last year. Virginia Tech is a darn good team. When they've played the really good teams, they've beaten them. And then they've won the games they're supposed to win. They're building quite a program there. And little Boise, I said a few weeks ago, I got to go there and uh, see the Smurf turf up close. That's a heck of a program there. All right, lots of thank yous. Jared Melzer, thanks to him for joining us from Madrid, Spain. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Darren Pack, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, get our show on demand. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook there as well. Get a ticket for Don Garber, September 21st in Portland. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.